Well, good morning, and uh, happy Sunday. You know, I do hope that at this point in the service, you're fully engaged in worship. And uh, that as you sing these last songs that we sung, that you are able to connect with God in the way you desire to this morning. Uh, but you know, if that, not, if that has not happened yet, well, it's not over. We still have a chance to be able to worship our God and continue in worship this morning. But you know, personally, I'm, uh, I'm really, I'm very excited. You know, excited to be here with all of you, excited to be up here and have the opportunity to, to really share what's on my heart from God's Word. I was thinking as I prepared the, the message uh, earlier this week, or last week rather, that, you know, there are a couple of things for me this year that has stirred up some excitement in me. And, you know, and I don't know if, uh, you know, you ever, I guess, really stop and think about that, the things that bring you joy and excitement. And uh, for me, as again, as I was preparing the message, I was able to just really tap into those two things. And uh, as the first thing is, as I mentioned before up here, is that, you know, I, I turned 40 this year. I will turn 40, rather, this year. So the big day is on July 17th. And, you know, it's, it's really been exciting, and I, I feel like I'm in a good place when it comes to that. Because the truth of the matter is, by the time you turn 38, the idea of you turning 40 just kinds of loom. It hovers over you. <laughs> and you have all kinds of thoughts. Sometimes you react on how people feel who are already 40. But, you know, you're thinking, I'm going to be 40 in a couple of years. And so now that I'm here, 2015, I tell you, I'm excited. And my attitude is, bring it on. Because, you know, I feel like although I may uh, walk a bit slower, but my heart is still on fire for God. Uh, I may not be able to play tackle football with the brothers like I used to. But I'm really excited about being at this point in my life and what God is doing in my life. But you know, the other thing that has really stirred some excitement for me this year is our study of community. And you know, and I don't know how it's been for you, but you know, as you are, as most of you know, earlier this year we, we uh, read the book 40 Days of Community. And then even after reading that, I know many of you have uh, continued to read the book, but then we uh, had a series of lessons and messages on community. And it's been great for me to dig into the Bible and really look at what God has to say about community. And it's really been really exciting. And I'll tell you the one thing I, re I realize a lot, but the one thing I realize and it's really been very exciting to me is that you know, community is not just a topic in the Bible. It's really a lens or context that God really wants us to use to be able to understand Him better and to mature in our faith. You know, it's all over the Bible, from Genesis on to Revelation, it's all about community. You know, relationship with God, relationship with each other, and how we live in these relationships. So needless to say, it's been really exciting for me. And this morning, as we continue in the study of community, uh, what I really want us to focus on is responsibility and community. 
You know, I hope uh, the gravity of that word really lands well. Responsibility and community. Uh, you know, I had to keep in mind, I know I'm speaking to uh, a group of very uh, spiritually savvy people. And so what I'm about to describe may not really resonate with you. But the truth of the matter is, you know, we all experience insecurity sometimes. And in a group, there are sometimes where, you know, we allow ourselves to think certain thoughts. Or we allow certain questions to just kind of dominate our thinking. And I, you know, I, I call these, uh, this kind of thinking, stinking thinking. You know, the kind of thinking that really doesn't lead you to a good place, but it really keeps you from being who God wants you to be. Again, you may not be able to relate to this, but this is certainly some of the thoughts I've had. You know, I thought, does my presence in the church really matter? You know, does, does it really matter? I mean, after all, and this is what I think, there are people that are a lot more talented than me. Certainly that appears to be a lot more spiritual, gives a lot more of themselves in the fellowship. I mean, does, is, does my presence or how I contribute to the body or to the community, does it really matter? Does God really see little old me? You know, does He really... Is He really concerned about what's going on with me? Sometimes we even think, surely God must be occupied with those who appear to be doing so much better than I am. You know, uh, you know, the ones who are definitely a lot more talented, a lot more spiritual. You know, God's time is filled up with them, not me. The truth is, you know, some of these thoughts are not always born out of insecurity. A lot of times we compare ourselves to God. And the fact that we find it difficult to be close to everyone in a group this size, we think God must really have a tough time. Certainly, he can't really be close with every one of us. And I, you know, maybe I'm the one that he's really not that close to. You know, it's real. I mean, we forget name, each other's names sometimes, don't we? Again, you won't admit it, but I know it's happened to me. You know, this kind of thinking leads us to become spectators in the church. Instead of those who jump in with both feet and take responsibility. Because you know, we, we think, hey, it doesn't matter if I'm here or not. If I come or not, I won't be missed. So again, we become spectators. We watch what happened. Instead of being a part of it. We end up just existing in the church. And not enjoy the vibrant relationship that God intend to have with us. And that's what happened. You know, one of the things I've discovered as I studied out community is that, you know, there was several things that Paul in the Bible would repeat often in the letters he, he wrote. And one of those things was he would always talk about how God has set up the church or the community of believers in the same way that our physical bodies are set up. You know, where there are many parts to the body, like our arms and legs and all those different parts, but all of those parts are important. I mean, you, you look through the book of Ephesians, he's talking about that, which is where we'll go this morning. As a matter of fact, if you can be turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, 
That would be great. But you know, Paul talks about that. He talks about it in the book of Romans. He talks about it in, in uh, Corinthians. But he's always wanting to impress, or always was wanting to impress on the disciples that, hey, God, you are important to the body. And as we read here in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll start at verse 7. Give you a little time to get there. The Bible says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. We always need to do that. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. In verse 8 through 13, Paul goes on to describe how God has placed different functions of leadership in the church to help us all mature spiritually. And when that happened, as we're maturing in verse 14, he described, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by, wa by the waves, and blown here and there by every kind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You and I are not just important to God collectively. That's not what the Bible teaches. God doesn't only think we have value as a collective group. He appreciates and cares for each one of us. You know, I, um, a week and a half ago, I was studying the Bible with one of our friends. I mean, we were sitting there in Charles Famineau's house. And one of the things I asked the, uh, the gentleman, I said, you know what? Why is it that you want to study the Bible? And this was his answer. He said, I want to get close to God. I mean, isn't that where it starts? Isn't that's what you know? That's what it's about: wanting to have a personal relationship with God. And my thought was, man, you know, he he's on the right track because that's what it's about. But is that still our thinking? That I want to be close with God. I want to walk with God. You know, in the passage we just read, Paul describes the importance of the community of believers. The need to be humble and fight for unity. And the need to bear with one another in love. All those things are great. And this is what helps keep the community together. But in verse 7 and 16, he helps us understand that each of us matter to God. Every single one of us. He says, you know, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He didn't just drop it and say, divvy it up. He said, here's yours, here's yours, here's yours, here's yours. God has given it to each of us. And it says, you know, the body grows. There's this reciprocal relationship, this give and take 
between the body and the individuals. As the body grows, the disciples grow individually. As we grow individually, the body grows. This is the way God has done it. So again, God's desire is not for you and me to just become members of the church, but He wants to walk with each and every single one of us. You know, this is what He desires according to Micah chapter 6 verse 8. The Bible says, He is showing you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is what God wants. He wants to walk with you and I. The all-powerful, all-knowing and omnipresent God wants to be in a relationship with you and me. You know, the God who created it all. I mean, that's where confidence comes from, doesn't it? You know, I remember back when I was in college, uh, I had to sit out for uh, actually a few semesters because my loan didn't come through and I had to take a job to be able to earn some money and pay my way. And so I got a job as a concierge, a fancy word for a bellman, at a, uh, a conference hotel. And I remember really excited because this was my first time working a job where I had medical care, I had all of this stuff. And my dad's looking at me, you need to hurry up, get back in school. But I remember one of the, part of my job was to uh, drive this, uh, the, the company would provide these really nice minivans. And I would uh, drive our guests to and from their place of work. Many of them would fly in and, and really stand with us so that they can take part in conferences. And so I would take them from different places. And uh, one year in particular, we uh, got these brand new uh, Mercury minivans. So Chrysler made those, and it's it just, I mean, really nice, shiny and silver. Um, and I remember walking in and thinking, wow, that's nice. Had the logo on it and everything. And, uh, you know, but we, we were, the, the vehicle was still new to us, so we're still trying to figure out the ins and outs of the vehicle. And so a couple of days after we got the vehicle, I had to take a gentleman to his place of uh, business. He was staying with us, got in the vehicle, and the minute he got in, he starts looking all around the van. You know, he's uh, opening the glove compartment, looking down, and I'm thinking, this is weird. Why is he doing this? And then he turns to me and he says, I guess you're wondering why I'm looking around the car, right? And I'm like, yes. He explained to me that he was one of the engineers on the design team that put this particular model together. And he went on to explain to me just all the different functions of the car. He pulled out compartments that we didn't even knew exist. <laughs> and then he went on to explain, he said, you see this, your, your knees will never bump the dashboard. You know why? Because we made this curve that way and that way. And I'm like, wow. Now I didn't change my life, but for the, for the eight minutes, <laughs> For the eight minutes I was in that car with that guy, I just thought, how cool is this? I'm riding with a designer. And you know, and that's the level of confidence, you know, to the nth degree that it is to, to walk with God. You know, the, the creator of the universe. You know, the God who knows us, all things about you and me, all things about our children, the ins and outs of our careers. He understands and feels our pain. There's no better companion than God. And we get to ride with Him. We get to walk with Him. You know, in, in the case of this gentleman in the car, I mean, God is not just the designer of the car, but He knows where all the potholes are. 
He knows how to get to the destiny where you're going. I mean, He knows it all. And we get to walk with Him. So we all need help walking with God, but the responsibility for my walk with God needs to be mine. You know, the responsibility for your walk with God needs to be yours. You know, I will not walk with God for long if others feel more responsible for my spiritual well-being than I do. I'm not going to walk with God for long. You know, if I'm not the initiator in my walk with God, others have to do it for me, then I'm I'm not going to grow. And I won't walk with God for long. I will forfeit what God has prepared for me to enjoy with Him. You know, here, here are some of the areas in our walk with God that I've noticed Paul emphasized in his letters to the Christians in the, in the first and second century here, which we need to take responsibility in ourselves. And I have just two that I want to share with us. So these are areas we need to take responsibility in so that we can continue to walk with God as He intends for us to. But the first one, we need, we need to take responsibility for nurturing our own faith. So you need to take responsibility for nurturing your own faith. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. It says here, But that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so you will be full of joy. For it is by your own faith that you stand firm. So whose faith are you standing on? You know, if we're going to take responsibility for our walk in our walk with God, you know, we have to nurture our own faith. Certainly we need other people's help. We all do, and that probably will never change. You know, as Paul is describing here to the disciples in the church of Corinth, you know, we need people to work together with. That needs to happen. But you know what? It's by our own faith that we stand firm. Here's some questions for you. How firm would you stand if your spouse was not doing well spiritually? Right? I mean, you think about that. How firm would you stand in? How about your children? How firm would you stand if they started rejecting the truth and making bad decisions? Because even they have to nurture their faith. God wants to walk with them as well. But how firm will I stand? You know, I mean, our children are nine and five right now. And even at this level, I mean, it's like, ugh. To watch them make decisions that are so different than what we're teaching them, it's hard. You know, you you experience disappointment, even anger sometimes. But will that affect how firm you stand in your faith? Teens. You know, I love to talk with the teens. You know, how firm would you stand if one of your fellow teens became spiritually confused and started rejecting the truth? You know, the things that you and this particular teen had talked about and all the things you'll do for God, if they became confused and that's not what they're doing anymore, how firm would you stand then? We need to nurture our own faith. 
College students, got something for you too. How firm do you stand when you consider the fact that a large number of people on your campus are not saved? It's the truth that you're, you know, you're one and a few. How firm do you stand? You know, does that, does that knock your faith out? Do you read your Bible, attend church, confess sin, fight temptation, share your faith, and serve others if no one calls to encourage you to do these things? You know, if there's nobody calling you to do that, do you do it? Again, certainly we need people working with us. We need to be helping one another. It's part of being in a community. But those, do those things stop happening when someone's not calling? And you know, the, <laughs> the truth is, you know, sometimes there, there's that space between when you study the Bible and you get baptized, right? And then when you're being called to walk on your own, on your own faith. You know, the, the phone calls don't come out as often. Now, it doesn't mean you're not valuable anymore. And certainly you're valuable to God and you're valuable to the body. But you've got to walk on your own faith. You know, I remember about, I was about three weeks old as a Christian. I got baptized on, in February, on February 5th, 1995. And I remember the brother who invited me to church and helped study the Bible with me. His name is Ho Chi Guyon, a great brother. He was part of our wedding. And a, couple, a year and a half ago, he was here in Texas. We spent great times together, encouraging one another and building each other up spiritually. Uh, but I remember three weeks after I got baptized, and uh, prior to that point, Hochi and other brothers and sisters would pick me up every Sunday to come to church. Pick me up on, uh, you know, when, Tuesdays at the time, that's when we met for midweek, pick me up on Tuesdays to go to church. And so, on that particular day, Hochi showed up at my job, and I was working at Taco Bell, I, you know, freshman in college. Uh, and he showed up in the drive-thru, he ordered, we talked a little bit, and he asked me, he said, uh, bro, how are you getting to church tomorrow? And I'm thinking, is this a trick question, <laughs> you know? You always give me a ride. <laughs> I didn't say that, though, I just kind of, uh, well, you know, I don't know. And I said, well, I thought you would pick me up. He said, well, you know, bro, you've got to ask. If you want me to pick you up, you've got to ask me. And, and Hochi wasn't trying to be mean. He wasn't doing that out of spite. He was helping me to walk in my own faith. You know, is this what you want? Or are you here because of your own faith in God? Or if I don't come and pick you up, will you come? And he went on to teach me a lot of other things. How to lead a Bible discussion. How to sit down and study and help somebody see their situation in God's Word. But we've got to help one another nurture our own faith. It's crucial. I want us to consider a few instructions Paul gave to disciples in the early church to help them develop their own faith and stand firm. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. You know, developing your own faith or nurturing your faith is not something that magically happens because we're disciples. You know, it doesn't just kind of happen. It takes consistent hard work and training. That's what the Bible talks about. You know, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul, talking to the disciples in the church of Philippi, he says, Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it's even more important. 
Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. You know, that really helped me to understand and, and think about now that I've been saved for X amount of years, and for me it's 20 years. Now that I, it's been 20 years, for you maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's 15, maybe it's 30, or maybe it's a couple weeks. But now that you've been saved for that amount of time, are you still working hard for the Lord? You know, we nurture our faith by continuing to obey God with deep reverence and fear no matter what is, what's happening in our lives. And some of it is hard. Some of it is something to struggle through. But you know what? Part of nurturing our faith and growing and developing that faith is obeying God no matter what. In the Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. You know, this is Paul's letter to Timothy. Again, this is an individual. He's telling him, this is what you need to take responsibility of. It says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker. One who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So what is he saying here? I mean, Paul, through his letter to Timothy, he's helping us to understand, do your best to understand God's Word and correctly explain it to others. You know, that involves reading it regularly, sharing it with others. One of the things I thought about recently, it's like, you know, I mean, technology is great. But you know, the, uh, the iPads and the phones now that we use to uh, pull our Bibles up, I mean, like the scriptures up and share with people, it's kind of stealing our knowledge away, is it not? Man, I was uh, in a Bible study the, uh, the other day and I, I was looking for a scripture and I couldn't remember where it was. And this is a scripture I would know usually. I mean, do you still know the order of the books in the Bible? Do you still know that? This is we have to do our best to work really hard so we can handle the Word of God. Man, this is God's Word. I, you know, if I'm sitting with someone and I said, look, I know God and I want to help you to know God. Man, I, I got to know my Bible. So working hard at that, you know, this is what it says here. And I love the way Paul puts it. He says, work hard so you can present yourself. Not someone else presenting you or working hard for you, but you working hard to present yourself. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. And sometimes, you know, I can think, man, you know what, it's, it's up to brother so-and-so to train me. You know, it's up to this group to train me. And certainly, we're, you know, hey, we, we need to, again, have people in our lives that are working with us and helping us and training us. But, you know, the Bible says we need to be involved in training ourselves. Use the help of others to make godly decisions in your life, but don't wait for others to offer input or advice. Seek it. Run after it. Study it out in the Bible. You know, if there's an area of life you're needing to make a certain decision in, man, find a concordance. Let's study it out. And you know, many of us I know are doing that, and that's great. 
We need to help those who need help doing it. And we need to help them to stand on their own faith. But you know, if we're going to take responsibility in our relationship with God, we need to nurture our own faith. We need to take responsibility for nurturing our own faith. But secondly here, you know, the thing we need to take responsibility, the other thing we need to take responsibility in, we need to take responsibility in finding ways to use our gifts. Turn to Romans chapter 12. In verse 4 it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to, to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The Bible helps us to understand God, that God has gifted each of us in a unique way and He desires that we use our gifts to make Him known and help others grow to become like Christ. You know, all of your abilities come from God. Everything you're, everything you're able to do. Even the skills that we, we develop later on in life, that comes from God. God creates those situations and help us to develop these skills and build and have these abilities. And every one of these abilities and these skills can be used for God's glory. This is what the Bible teaches us. So, you know, if we're, if we're going to take responsibility of finding out how we can use our gifts, here are a couple questions I do believe we need to ask ourselves. What are my gifts then? You know, what gifts has God given me? And then how can I use them to honor Him and serve others? The Bible is filled with examples of different abilities that God uses for His glory. And I want to go ahead and read just a few things that you can see in the Bible. Abilities that God has used. Abilities in men and women that God has used for His glory. When you look in the Bible, you see artistic abilities, architectural ability, administering, baking, boat making, candy making, debating, designing, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, farming, gardening, leading, managing, masonry, making music, making weapons, needlework. Painting, planting, even those who philosophize, God would use that. Machine ability, inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, being a soldier, tailoring, teaching, writing literature and poetry. These are just a few things God would use. And certainly we can add to this list when we think about our lives. You know, we have uh, technology. Some of us are really savvy. <laughs> These are things God can use for His glory. 
But God has a place in, in His church where your specialty can shine and you can make a difference. But you know, it's up to you to find that place. It's up to us to be looking, to be considering. You know, sometimes we see needs, and if we're thinking about solutions, that can sometimes help an ability that we have to surface. Right? Because certain things, we notice them because of what's on our hearts. God, allow us to notice these things. So as we do that, then we can figure out what some of these abilities are. But a lot of times we need other people to help us find that place in the church where we can use our gifts. But eventually we need to take responsibility for using our gifts. While people help us figure it out. Someone may come to you and say, man, seems like you, you do this really well. You know, I think of a situation when Cha and I and our, and our girls first moved here from New Jersey. Uh, this was about four plus years ago. And, uh, you know, it's great to serve in the church, but it's a lot of work. And to be honest with you, sometimes we're like, man, I can use a couple months off. <laughs> I could use a year where somebody else does the work. And I remember coming here, and you know, our hearts was, man, we want to give our hearts to church, especially the fact we came here. I mean, the first Sunday I attended service, every one of you, well, most of you, came up, invited us to dinner. I mean, Don and Shelia told us about the pool they have in their, in their backyard and invited our girls to come and be able to swim there. But it was the generosity and just how we were welcomed was just awesome. So certainly our heart was, you know, we want to give our hearts here. We want to be able to serve and help. But we were not trying to lead a Bible talk. <laughs> and we were at a place where we were like, yeah, this is, let's just kind of take a couple months off. Some of you are laughing because we spoke with you about that. But you know, I remember Tom and uh, Stacy Zeitz. And uh, Tom invited us over to their home, over in Grand Prairie at the time. And I remember it clearly because, you know, they have like a tag team thing going. Where Stacy cooks the meal. And let me tell you, I mean, she's such a great cook, it's hypnotizing. I mean, you're sitting there... What? Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. You know, but it was great. We went over to their house after 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 our service, and we had lunch there. And I remember we sat there, we were talking, getting to know each other, and then Tom also, you know, explained that one of the things they were thinking that Shaw and I can lead one of their groups, one of the Bible talk in their house church at the time. And uh, and I remember my answer to that very vividly. You know, I said, well, you know what? I'm still in the process where we're looking for. I'm looking for work, and I just think, you know, maybe it's not time for me to do that. <laughs> and, uh, and Tom, very graciously, he said, you know, that makes sense. I understand. You know, you want to be, you want to kind of get your foot on the ground, be stable. He said, uh, so we'll be praying. You guys get a job. <laughs> well, I get it, because at that point, Shaw was working. And so, I kid you not, two weeks later, <laughs> I get a job. <laughs> And so, uh, again, we had to talk. You know? So I was like, okay, you've got the job. Are you guys ready to take on the group? And then I was like, well, you know, we're, we're, we're staying with my in-laws. <laughs> at the time, it may not be the best thing. He said, fine, you guys can meet here at our house. <laughs> and, but it just became very clear to me. God really, certainly Tom and Stacy, they believed in us, and we appreciated that. But, you know, the truth of the matter is God was making it clear. You know, hey, 
This is an opportunity to serve. Or are you going to go after it? And I'm glad that we made that decision. You know, and we were able to lead that, that Bible talk. It was great. We got to know the Zykes uh, so much better, which they're dear friends of ours. I mean, people we can still be able to call and connect with. And we got to know a lot of other people. But you know what? It was someone else helped me to understand. Here's an area you can serve in. But Shaw and I had to decide. You know, God is making this clear. We need to go ahead and do it. And honestly, you know, it became what we wanted to do. And we, we ran after it. You know, we can help one another discover our gifts by letting people know when they do something well. Don't just take a mental note, but let people know, you did that well, bro. You did that well, sis. And as people tell you that, search your heart, search the scriptures, pray. And figure out whether or not it's God's way of telling you this is an area you can serve in. But we need to take responsibility for finding out how we can use our gifts. So as we close this morning, brothers and sisters and friends, you know, I want to really encourage us. Let's never forget that you and I are not just important to God collectively. That, that, that's not true. That's a lie from Satan. You know, God really cares about each and every single one of us and His desire is to walk with you and I in a vibrant and personal relationship. So let us be responsible in our walk with Him by continuing to develop our own faith. Because without our own faith, we're not going to stand. You've got, you got to work for it. You've got to develop that. But also, let us take responsibility in finding ways to use our gifts to His glory. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer.